0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Morning Psalms time. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we are going to be looking at three wonderful psalms this week, Psalms 95, 96, and 97, each of which call us to worship God and tell us why we should worship Him and how we should worship Him. Uh, They're wonderfully encouraging psalms, uh, but with also some serious warning to us if we neglect. Uh, God's worship, and so we need to hear uh, what's what these psalms say to us this week. So, Psalm ninety-five is our passage. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of another morning, another day of life, another opportunity to wake up and to serve you because you are good and you are faithful. You never change. You never fail. You never leave us nor forsake us. You are faithful to the end. And we praise you. You're the one who woke us up this morning. You're the one who gave us another day of life. And it is by your grace that we are gifted this day. Not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, but because you love us and because you're good to us. And every day is an opportunity for us to walk with you, to grow in you. And we pray that you would, Help us to do that. This morning, as we look at Psalm 95, Father, would you write it on our hearts? Would you impress it upon our minds? Would you stir our souls by its truth? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 95. O oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Hmm. A joyful opening and a sober ending for Psalm 95. i love the words joyful noise here it's a great encouragement to those of us who are not gifted singers uh, and whose worship of god is uh, can best be described as a joyful noise <coughs> we are called to sing though we are called to sing and we are called to do so with joy and with exuberance And this may be something that we Presbyterians aren't super great at, but we need to be better at it because it's what we're called to do, and we have every reason to do so. So we are called to sing, and that joyful noise is this idea of just a joyful exuberance, an overflowing fountain of praise that comes from a heart that is filled with joy. Thanksgiving. Oh, we have so much to be thankful for. We really do. We forget that sometimes. We get caught up in all the things we think we need that we don't have. But God doesn't withhold any good thing from his beloved children. We get caught up in all the problems that are going on in the world that we feel like is spinning out of control. But the world's not out of control. God is on his throne. So we have every reason to be thankful. So after calling us to praise, the opening verses call us to praise, Psalm 95 gives us two really solid reasons uh, to praise the Lord. The first is that he is the God of all creation. He's the God of all creation. And the second is that he is our God and we are his people. So you could look at this as saying, we're going to praise God for his creation and for the beauty and power and majesty of of his creation that he holds in his hands and then we're going to praise God we're going to worship him for our redemption for calling us out to be his own Uh, but I really think the way it's framed in Psalm 95 is that he he is he is the great king over all creation and secondly he is our God personally So he's a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. Uh, I watched a special a couple weeks ago about uh, climbing K2 uh, without oxygen. Uh, It was kind of bizarre and challenging and interesting, uh, these people, to go up. K2 is the second highest mountain in the world. It's in the same Himalaya grouping as Everest. Uh, It's considered a more challenging climb, then everest and and these people did it with no oxygen so that is uh but it's just seeing that movie and seeing how high they go and how thin the air is and how how just towering massive these mountains are i've also seen specials about some of these specialized subs that have been to the depths of the mariana's trench right which is deeper down into the ocean than Everest is tall. And so you just get this scope. God's got it all in his hands. God has got it all in his hands. He made it all and he holds it all. So again, the the, O come is repeated from verse one. And this is where we're getting into the second reason for our coming before God to worship him. O come, let us worship him, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He's not just the king over all creation. He's not just the one who made the mountains and the depths and holds the seas, but he made us. He made you and me. Now that has profound implications for every area of life. Uh, We cannot be filled with self-loathing. You know, when the Bible calls us to humility, what it is calling us to is not self-loathing. It's not a self-hatred. It's a self-forgetfulness. It's a focus on God and others. But it's not a, oh, I'm such a terrible, horrible, no good, dirty, rotten, ugly, weak, stupid person. Like all those kinds of thoughts that swirl in our minds. God is our maker. The same God who made the majestic heights of the Himalayas and the deeps of the ocean. The same God who holds everything in his hands made you. And you and I and all of creation, we're made in the image of God. We're created in his image to reflect his likeness. We're given special status. He sent his son to die for us. We we cannot be filled with this self-loathing about what horrible, rotten, stinking, stupid people we are. Right? We are sinners and we need to be humbled by our sin. We need to seek repentance and forgiveness. But God has already provided our forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves us so much. And so the Lord is our maker. The Lord is is our maker. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. That is so important for us to see that, to know that that's that's who we are. You know, our identity is not to be found primarily in our political party affiliation. Our identity is not to be found primarily in our national identity, our national identity citizenship in this world, um, but our identities be found in the fact that we are his. We're the people of his pasture and we're the sheep of his hand. We are his. And so that's why we are to worship him. And and I'm reminded whenever I look at verse seven, that we're the sheep of his hand. I'm reminded of John 10, where Jesus talks about him being the good shepherd and how the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So in order for us to be the sheep of his hand, in order for us to be the flock of God, it cost Jesus everything. He had to lay down his life for us. And so we should be so thankful for that. And we should be so eager to worship God. And this is a call to gathered worship. This is a call to Not to, I'm going to have my quiet time with God in the morning, although that's important. That's absolutely important. But this is a call to gathered worship. Notice how verse 1 began, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And now here: O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture. The Bible is relentlessly focused on the gathering together together of the people of God the lord's prayer that jesus taught us to pray is our father who art in heaven not my father who art in heaven the bible is not an individualistic book to say me and my personal relationship with jesus in my private time yes there's time for private prayer jesus said tell us that there are times when we go into our room and we pray in private and our father who sees us in private will answer our prayer absolutely private Worship and private prayer is important, but the Bible is relentlessly calling us to the gathered worship of God's people and how important that is for us to gather together in his name. So important that Psalm 95 ends with a warning. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, when we gather for worship, uniquely among everything else we do in life, When we gather for worship on the Lord's Day in the morning, God speaks to us. God speaks to us through the reading of his word. God speaks to us through the preaching of his word. God speaks to us as our God and he calls to us as his people and he calls us for for a response. Every Sunday morning, every Lord's Day morning, when you go to church and you hear the word of God read and preached, there should be a response in your heart, in my heart. Even if I'm the one doing the preaching most Sundays, there should be a response in my heart to what is preached. Don't harden your hearts. And then there's this very serious warning that says, remember your fathers. We're actually going to get into this in, on Sunday, this coming Sunday, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the opening of this 1 Corinthians chapter 10 deals with this same theme. Your fathers, they put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. It always amazes me that people think they would have more faith in God if only they saw more miracles. You ever think that? I used to think that. I used to be convinced that if I could just see more miracles from God, then I would have more faith in God. But as I've done a closer study of God's word, I've realized that the two generations in all of human history, the two generations who saw the most miracles directly and undeniably from God were the Exodus generation under Moses and the generation that lived during the life of Jesus. So the Exodus generation under Moses and the generation at the time of Jesus, God's hand through Moses, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the provision of manna from heaven, and God's hand through Jesus, even greater, raising the dead publicly, feeding the 5,000, you know, casting out demons, powerful, healing, lifelong paralytics. What about those two generations? The vast, vast majority of both of those generations had no no faith. They rejected God. They hardened their hearts. The one, the Moses Exodus generation, only two were led into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Jesus generation, there were a handful who followed him. There was a gathering in of of a greater multitude through the preaching of Peter. But that generation cried out for Jesus to be crucified. So don't think that if you saw more of God's miraculous work, you would have more faith. Instead, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. When you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts. That's the issue. The issue is always a matter of the heart. It's never a matter of the eyes. It's always a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of what we see. It's a matter of who we trust. That's the issue. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's a very sobering place to end. But God has promised us rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we will hear him and we will follow him, he will give to our souls eternal rest in eternal glory. And for that reason, we must praise him. So from Psalm 95, we find that we're called to gather together and worship the Lord because he is the great king over all of creation and because he is our God. Because of his work in creation and because of his work in our lives, we are to worship him. And when we gather together to worship him, we are not to harden our hearts, but we are to hear what God says and we are to respond in faith to the word of God as it is read and preached in worship And the sober warning is that if we will not, well, then we show ourselves to be a people who go astray in our hearts and not a people who trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the great king over all creation. As I sit here on this beautiful September morning, I can look out my front window and see just a little tiniest slice of the beauty of your creation in the flowers growing in our front yard, in the trees, in the sky. You're the king of creation. And you are our maker and our God. You've made us in your image and you've redeemed us by the blood of your son. We have every reason to praise you. We have every reason to worship you and give thanks to you. So, Father, give us the grace to do that and not to harden our hearts, not to go astray in our hearts, but rather to seek your face, to hear your voice, and to respond in faith and in loving obedience. Father, we do pray for our country this morning. We are burdened because there's so much going on still. We still have so many people dying of COVID-19. We still have so many people who are out fighting wildfires on the West Coast. People digging out from the hurricane on the Gulf Coast last week, Hurricane Sally. We have deep, deep divisions in our country. And Father, I am concerned that that's going to get worse in the coming weeks before the election. Violence. Violence. Anger, hostility, hatred. Father, make us salt and light in a crooked generation. May we shine like stars as we hold forth the word of life, the word of life, not political opinion, but the gospel. May we hold that forward to this generation because that's what we need. And Father, would you heal by your grace? A weak and worldly church and a broken land. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining me this morning. I look forward to Psalm 96 on Wednesday. I've got my little slide backwards. I just realized that. It must have been late last night when I was doing this. All right. So Wednesday will be Psalm 96, and Friday will be Psalm 97 forward to being with you again then. May the Lord bless you and keep you